0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Awesome. Well, hey, why don't we stand for a moment? We're just going to thank God for His presence here. How many enjoy the presence of God? Amen. So, Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your presence in this place, Father. We thank you, God, that you want to speak to our hearts, you want to change our lives. I thank you that you have a plan and purpose for each and every one of us, and we we know that you're a good God, and every good and perfect gift comes from you, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variance or shadow of turning in, your, in you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, we're going to jump into the Word this morning, and the title of my message today is... Where is God in your storm? Where is God in your storm? How many know we go through storms in life? Any, anyone ever been through a storm? Let me see your hands. Okay, the rest of you are liars. Okay, we'll have a repentance and we'll have an altar call. No, uh, we, we run into storms. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, I ran into a natural storm. I was on the beach. Uh, how many have ever been to North Beach? So I was at North Beach with my kids and, and with a, a family from Kingston that we're good friends with. And we're sitting on the beach. And I turned to my friend, and I said, oh, the kids are swimming. Why don't we swim? And she said, uh, I don't want to get wet today. Oh, okay, fine. So I'll just go swimming. So I'm going down to the water. My oldest son goes, Dad, is that, is that, a, is that a, like a, a water funnel on the lake? Like we saw, like the water spinning? I said, I don't think so. And so we were walking back, and suddenly from behind we got hit. With the wind so strong our towels blew off. And like our hair was just blowing and uh, there was sand hitting us. And I felt like suddenly we felt like we were in a sandblaster. We're like, ow, ooh it was like, you know, the pain and the sting of sand hitting you at I don't know how fast. And uh, so, we're, so we're all giggling and laughing because we're in pain. And so we run under this. Uh, we had this big canopy. Uh, And we all jump under the canopy, and the canopy's starting to get airborne, so we're all holding the canopy, and the the sheet's flapping in the wind, and and, and suddenly hail starts coming down, and and we're like, ow, ow, ow. And it's like we're getting pelted by hail, rain, water, and sand. And we saw that beach clear off so quick. I never seen, it was like it was full, and all of a sudden, everybody was going. And we're too busy trying to get a hold of our kids, they're out in the lake, and to to get out of there and as quick as that storm came the storm left and we were like hey we got the beach to ourselves I mean the sun came back all right and I looked at my friend and she goes well she goes I'm already wet I'm gonna go swimming right and so how many know we we have storms will come in life and sometimes as quick as they come they dissipate and they leave you know and and we we read in first Peter he says uh, Peter says, you know, don't don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials which have come to test you. We all go through testing. We all go through trials. We all go through storms. And so today I want to talk about um, how the storms of life can keep you from God's plan for your life. God has an assignment for you. He has a list of assignments for you to do. And, and, And the storms of life can keep you from the assignments that God has for you. There's two types of storms that we're going to encounter in life. And so I want to talk about the two responses we can have to these two storms. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, Jesus is ministering to the people. He just told a bunch of parables. He's been ministering all day. Him and his disciples are praying for sick. They're they're doing what they did under Jesus' ministry. And how many know you get tired, Right. And so there was such a crowd, it says, actually not in Mark, but in the book of Matthew, the same story, that Jesus had to get in a boat and and push off from shore because he was getting pushed back by the crowds. And so he's preaching from a boat. And so how many know Jesus was popular? All right? And so here we read in this story here, after they finished their day of ministry, Matthew chapter or Mark chapter four, verse thirty five, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake, all right? And I want you to look at something here because we're going to pull some pictures out of here. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side. And I want to say this in the same way there's an evening to every day, there's an evening to every assignment, And God has us in assignments. He has us us doing something, but there's an evening that comes to that moment, and God says, now I want to take you across the lake to the other side because I have another assignment for you. How many know we have assignments? Okay. And um, in this story, there's a completion to the purpose that they were there for. The assignment was a geographical location, and God was saying it's time to move. All right? All right. There was a a body of water between where they were and where God wanted them next. Okay? Verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Now, I want you to think about what he's saying here, because I want to say this. When you choose to live an adventurous life with God, you have to leave the crowd behind. The crowd couldn't go where Jesus, Jesus had an appointment, an assignment for his followers and they had to leave the crowd behind. I'm telling you, we're living in a time and a day where the church has to decide, am I going to leave the crowd behind? The crowd is going to operate in a certain way of thinking. They're going to be motivated by fear. They're going to be traumatized by world events. But as a church, we have to leave the crowd behind. We got to say, listen, I'm going to live an adventure with God. God's calling me from one assignment to the next assignment and I have to leave the crowd behind. Can I hear an amen? Okay? So God is calling us to do this. Now, the Bible says, Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. Few are they that find it. But broad is the way to destruction. Many go that way. So we can't follow the crowd, we have to follow the ways of the Lord. Very simple concept. Let's look at verse 37. Okay? And I want to say this too. In this con we're talking about how this relates to us. A boat can represent your career. A boat represents a vehicle. It can be your career, it can be a ministry, it can be a family that you're in, it can be your culture, it can be it can be your gifts and talents. It's a vehicle to get you to your assignment. Okay? Look at verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. So so they're 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 far away from land. A fierce storm comes. How many have ever felt like that? You're 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 just trying to get to your next assignment. You're just trying to take your journey to the next thing that God has for you. And suddenly you find yourself in a storm, and and the waves are crashing in. You're like, I I thought I was doing the right thing. I, I thought I was I thought I was going in the right direction. What's happening? And, and you start, to, God, where are you? And you begin to cry out for God because you don't know where God is in the moment. All right? And let's look what, uh, what happened in verse 38. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, I don't know how you sleep with your head on a cushion when there's a storm. I mean, he must have been knocked out. Okay? But here he is sleeping in the back of the boat, and the disciples woke him up shouting teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. What are you doing? You're sleeping. And so many times we feel that way. It's like, God, why are you sleeping? Things are crashing in my life. Things are falling apart. Jesus, you need to wake up. How many have been there? Be honest, right? And this is where the disciples were. And then let's see what happened. Jesus woke up, verse 39. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still, And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Okay? And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want to encourage you right now to, in this season of life, to really spend time with God and deal with fear. Because fear and faith don't mix. And and so we have to be very careful that we're not allowing fear to overwhelm us. Jesus addresses it. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you not have faith? And look what happens here. I want you to understand what was taking. This is the first storm, the first type of storm. Say the first type. This was a satanic assignment. Satan and his kingdom was stirring up the weather system because he wanted to keep Jesus and the disciples from getting to their next assignment. Because Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. He would not have rebuked the winds and the waves. It was the Father doing it. How many you see this? And in life, we have to uh, discern, say discern, whether an attack is from God or whether an attack is from the enemy. Okay? We're going to explain that in a few minutes. But this is an attack that's coming from the enemy. And Jesus is in your boat. How many know that Jesus is in whatever you're doing, whatever your ministry is, whatever your, your, uh, uh, your vehicle is that's taking you through life, Jesus is with you in the boat, and he's with you, okay? And so he looks up, and he rebukes a storm. And in the same way today as a New Testament believer, Jesus has given you his name, the name that's above every other name. And when you're trying to get to your next assignment, and all hell breaks loose in your life, could be sickness. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be financial loss. That stuff happens. You know, I've owned rental properties for a number of years, and there was one night uh, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was walking up to the side of one of my rental units, and I saw this black, dark creature on the other side of the door through the glass, and it pressed its face up against the window. And the Lord, and I woke up, and the Lord said, That's an attack of the enemy against this income. And for a period of four or five months, uh, there there was a a loss of income. The the, the tenants couldn't pay their rent. There was all kinds of issues happening until I got smart and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over this attack because it's, it's, it's attacking my finances. And when I stood up against that attack, everything went smooth again. So you need to discern when hell breaks out in your life, that is just the enemy trying to stop you. And we don't have to be afraid. We have to use the name of Jesus in prayer. And we have the victory. Amen? So that's the first type of attack. The Bible says here the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. So, Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, they're getting to the other side. Now, look what happens. And they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasias. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed with an evil spirit came out to the tombs to meet him. And we understand that this guy had a legion of demons in him. And Jesus cast the devils out. They went into the pigs. The herd of pigs went off the side of the cliff. The business people of the community said, we, our pork industry has just been dissolved. And they're like, you have to leave here. You're not welcome. So Jesus says to the disciples, okay, We've finished our assignment, get back on the boat, we're going back to another assignment. So now they're about to cross the lake a second time, and we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Now, this is the second type of storm, and we'll get into it. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Say they were in trouble. Remember, they're going from one assignment to the next assignment, and now trouble's stirring. And they're far away from land again. And let's look what happens. They were far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were... Fighting heavy waves, they were going through another battle and and so so I want to see show you something. The first storm was an attack to rob their faith. The second storm was from God to build their faith. two different storms and I want to show you what happens here in verse twenty five around three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to to that to, towards them, sorry walking on the water, and when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In, in fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! What are we going to do? But, Je- but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And I'm sure they're thinking, okay, no, you're not here. We're in a boat. You're over there. Don't, don't worry, I'm here. And they're looking at Jesus across the water. Okay, And so it says here, Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and began to sing. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Okay, And then the story goes on. We know the rest of the story. But what I want to emphasize here is that in the first storm, Jesus was in their boat. In the second storm, Jesus was in the storm. And that boat to these fishermen, especially to Peter, was, was a safe place. He probably spent, he was a fisherman, he probably spent more time in that boat than his house. Okay? Okay? And if you're a fisherman, you're always, that was his place of security. This is my ministry. This is my, this is my, I am so secure. Even in a storm, I feel securest when I'm in my boat, when I'm in the vehicle that God has given me. I'm so secure here. And, and, but, but, but Jesus, you're not in the boat. Where are you, Jesus? The last time we crossed and there was a storm, you were right here with us, but now suddenly you're not in my boat. You're in the storm. And so he probably looked at the other disciples and said, you know what, I know there's security and safety when Jesus is in our boat, but he's not here. So I feel more secure in the storm with Jesus than in my own boat. And I'm here to just suggest that maybe Jesus is in the storm. And we're looking out and we're looking at everything that's happening in the world. We look at everything that's happening in our lives, in our marriages, and say, I I just want to stay safe. I don't want to go there. It's too messy. I want to deal with my, my vehicle. You, you want to help me? Well, Jesus, you're not there. Where are you? You're, you're in the storm. And he's out there, and he's saying, come on. And, and God will use us when we step into the storm, and it's not comfortable. But you know what? We learned a few weeks ago that faith is never comfortable. Faith always requires vulnerability. And for the most part, God wants us to, to, to stay in our boat. He wants, us to be, he wants us to be secure and safe. So for the most part, we can live there. It's good. But there are times when God says, come out into the storm. And um, when I was, and I know some of you heard this story. I'm going to share it again because I think it's really important. And it was, I think, the biggest, for my life, it was the biggest storm that the Lord called me into when I was in business school 12 years ago roughly taking a business class and one of the teachers spent a few hours a day they would teach on uh, self-care and she was she was into new age and meditation and you know chakra and all that kind of new age stuff and so i sat down with her i said with all respect i said you know i was told coming into this course that religion has to be separate from the school system And i said what you're doing that's a that's a religious system just as christianity is and I was very respectful uh, but because she had said, we're going to take time during the class and we're going to meditate. And I said, well, you know what? So what am I going to do with this? And, and so the Lord began to speak to me about what I should do about it. Do I stay home and not be part of it? Do I go? What, what do I do? And so as a believer, I go. And what I found was she began to um, pick on me and jab at Christianity. And she said, yeah, I grew up and my parents were... Uh, strict Christians. She called it the black and white religion of oppression. And there's no freedom. But in the New Age movement that you can, you can find your inner self. And it was all like, and it just downplayed, 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 constantly poked, jab. And I'm sitting there trying to smile. Say, I love you. You're my favorite teacher. And God was saying, you got to get out of the boat. And we had maybe 15 other students sitting there and She would jab and jab and jab and jab. And so I went home and I prayed and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I began to pray for her because I had a heart for her. I want to see her meet Jesus. So I'm praying for her. I'm praying for her. And God says, I want you to step out of the boat. I want you to tell her something. And God gave me an inner vision of a little girl in a closet. And she was banging on the closet. She was panicking, having panic attacks because her sister had locked her in the closet i just knew it in my spirit god showed me this so the next day i went back to class and and she well today we're going to meditate and so so and god had already spoken to me about what to do to be respectful so i I sat there and so everybody's got into their little meditative state that she taught us And, and i opened my bible and put it down on the table so everyone looked over and she goes what are you doing i go i'm meditating I said, in my faith, the word says, you meditate means to ponder to yourself. I'm reading the scripture, and I'm pondering on it. She goes, all right. So we did that for a while. And then afterwards, she went around, and she said, I want everyone to tell of the experience you had. And so everyone said, well... I think I, killed, I think I killed the energy there, to be honest with you, because everyone was kind of like, oh, well, it was okay, but they were all looking at me, right? So she came to me, and she said, what happened? I said, well, it was awesome, because the, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and I just felt the love of God as I read this scripture. I read the scripture. And I, on the inside, I was, I was scared. Like, I was like, this is stepping into a storm, and this is saying I'm not going with the crowd, but I'm going to be respectful and loving. How many know I was doing all that? Okay, and then at the end, she was upset with me. And I walked up to her. Again, I feel like I'm in the storm. I'm not in the safety because I can make a mistake. How many know that? Okay. If you don't believe it, ask my wife. So here I am. I go up to her. I say, listen. I said, "Um, can I talk to you for a second? She said, sure. And I pulled her aside. And I said, "Uh, you you have panic attacks, don't you? She looked at me. She goes, how did you know that? I said, well... I it go, goes a little deeper in this I was praying for you and asking God to sh- how I can sh- you know connect with you so you know that he loves you and he said the Lord showed me you as a little girl you were about nine years old and you were I can't remember the age it was nine or eleven I don't remember and you were in a closet and you were banging on the door and you were hyperventilating and I said your sister I saw I believe it was your sister locked you in the closet her jaw was down here and she looked at me. She goes, how do you know that? Who told you? I've never told anybody this. She goes, ever since that day, I've had panic attacks, that anxiety attacks. And I said, I want you to know that God loves you. And he showed it to me. And I said, I'm sorry that your parents were really strict and black and white, but it's about freedom. It's about having a relationship. God loves you. He wants to purge you of your sin. And I began to share the gospel with this woman. And she said, I said, do I got the right address? Is this right? She says, everything's 100% right except one thing. I said, what's that? She goes, it wasn't my sister. It was my cousin. And I sat there going, (sighs) because God, Jesus challenged me to step out of the boat. And that was a hard thing to do. It wasn't easy. But I felt like a weenie sitting there being made fun of. So I said, I got to do something. Lord, you got to get better glory than this. And how many know God moved through that? And then we, be, we had this great friendship. And as I began to talk to her, she began to share. She's married to a, a, a Jewish guy who's a strong Jewish, and he has an opposition to the Jesus, but she's still open to it and that. And we, we prayed together, and she respected me because she saw that Christianity can be more than just black and white religion. It's about a relationship. And so every single one of us are both will look different, right? Um, And I don't know what your boat looks like today. It might be a relationship that you've been tolerating and God's been saying you're better than that. You need to break ranks with that. You need to, to walk away from that situation. You've got to come out of the boat. I have a better life. But you stay in there because you, your fear of, of insecurity, of moving outside of that whatever comfort you call it. It might be a, just a, a job situation where you know God's got something better but you're afraid to step out of the boat. It could be a, It could be anything. But at times God calls us out of the boat. Can I hear an amen? And I want to talk about The next thing that happens here, um, they climb back into the boat. And as soon as Jesus and him put their foot in the boat, the disciples worshipped him. Why? Because the wind stopped and the storm stops. And so these moments that God gets us to step out and deal with situations in our life, Jesus is coming back into our boat with us. He's always with us. Can I hear an amen? I wanted to show a 10-minute video that I caught. And it was really neat because this preacher is giving a testimony, a powerful, powerful testimony. um, And he actually refers to the same thing, getting out of the boat. And this pastor, Pastor Joachim, is the pastor of the Word of Life Church in Sweden. And he's going to be talking about what happened when all the immigrants came into Europe. How many know a few years ago all the immigration came into Europe and how God spoke to them? to get out of the boat. So we're going to watch that together.
1: ...between the two. Jesus actually comes into the boat of Peter. How beautiful. Jesus comes to Peter on Peter's own terms. He's not demanding that Peter will take great steps of faith. Jesus comes to Peter inside his zone of security, inside his zone of safety, inside his zone of control. But then, as the relationship grew and emerged, there came a day when Jesus came walking on the water and he calls to Peter and he says, come, there's nothing wrong with your experience, nothing wrong with the boat, nothing wrong with the area in which you have full control, but there is more. There is more. And in order for you to see more, you need to take a step of faith. You need to do something you've never done before so you can see something you never seen before. You need to say something you never said before so that you can see something you've never seen before. And I don't know what's, what your boat is right now and I don't know about where you are with the Lord but I know one thing, there will come a day in your life as well when Jesus will say come. And everything inside you wants to stay inside your comfort zone. Everything inside of you wants to stay in that place that you know and are familiar with and in which you have full control. But if you dare to step out of the boat, take a new step of faith, there's a miracle on the other side of that step. I just want to close here by sharing a testimony of how we as a church were challenged by the Lord three years ago to take a step outside our boat and what happened as a result of that. I'm sure you will remember that three years ago, my continent, Europe, faced the humanitarian crisis. Hundreds of thousands of refugees came out of the Middle East. They headed out for inflatable boats into the Mediterranean Sea, and they were aiming to try to arrive in Greece on the southern tip of Europe. And as we heard these news, how these hundreds of thousands of people were fleeing war and, and the terror of the ISIS, we realized Sweden panicked because we were not at all ready for what was about to happen. But we knew what was about to happen. Everyone who reaches Greece will start walking by foot across the entire continent of Europe heading for Sweden because at the time we had very liberal immigration laws. So God really challenged us here to how, to how, uh, how we should position ourselves uh, you know, in the face of this humanitarian disaster because panic spread all over Sweden and we as pastors in our church, I right, brought together my pastors and, and uh, we prayed about how we should relate to this situation now. And I just wanna make something very clear. This is not a political statement that I'm making at all because I don't agree with my own nation's liberal immigration laws and I don't believe in open borders and I do realize that Accepting all these hundreds of thousands of refugees like we did also meant that we imported truckloads of social problems, there's no question about that. But you see, these were our laws and these people were coming anyway, which meant that we had really two options. Either we would distance ourselves from from the situation and complain about it, or we can step into this situation and we can believe that somewhere inside this humanitarian disaster, there might be a seed of revival. Because my friend, to me that's what faith is all about. Faith does not deny the problem, but faith chooses to see the potential inside the problem. Faith does not deny the obstacle, but it chooses to see the opportunity inside the obstacle. So we flew people down to Athens, Greece to set up a welcome to Europe station. And then we coordinated all of our Word of Life churches on the route from Greece in the south to Sweden in the north. So the refugees could go from one Word of Life church to the other as they were heading north. And when they came to Sweden and came into our city, we put a big banner on our church saying, refugees welcome. Do you know what happened? I'm gonna tell you. Hundreds and hundreds of Muslims started flooding into our church. And we gave them food. We gave them clothing. We gave them medical care. But more than anything, we told them that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And they were amazed because the one group that they had thought would reject them in Sweden, the Christians, turned out to be the one group who embraced them. And they said time and time again, why are you doing this? Why are you welcoming us with open arms? And we said time and time again, because the symbol of our faith is not this, it's this. And as we started sharing the gospel with them, something amazing happened. Jesus started showing up to them in visions. He started showing up to them in dreams. There was an outpouring of the supernatural and hundreds of Muslims started to open their hearts and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Even today, three years later, 70% of all those who become saved and baptized in our church are former Muslims accepting Christ in their hearts. <laughs> we even had to start a special Bible college for former Muslims now, and in two years only, we have graduated 400 students from that Bible college. You know, these guys speak Arabic and Farsi. They don't know how to pronounce my name either. So, so the other month they gave me this T-shirt, Pastor Kim. <laughs> little did I know today, or just little did I know three years ago that I would be Pastor Abdul Hakim for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the sons and daughters of Ishmael that we could not reach when they were in Iran and Afghanistan but all of a sudden we could reach them with the love of Jesus and we can reach them with the gospel of salvation. Come on church, praise God. And this has also opened up the entire Middle East for us. Now we have churches in the Middle East, Bible schools in the Middle East. Here's a picture of me uh, preaching in Egypt for 10,000 Arab young people. This message was broadcasted live on YouTube. Two and a half million people all over the Middle East heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a new day, I tell you. It's a new day. But you know what? The other Sunday, as I, was, as I was worshiping with my church back home, I just looked around and I looked at my church and I saw all these people, all the hundreds and hundreds of former Muslims realizing that a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, they bowed down to another God, but here they are lifting their hands to the lamb that will slay.
0: Amen, isn't that good? Isn't God good? And so here's a church that saw an opportunity. There was a crisis in the culture, and they sought the Lord, and the Lord says, this is how I want you to get into the storm. And look what God did. And so as a church, God's going to call us in the seasons to come to step into areas we've never stepped before, to do things we've never done before. But why don't we stand for a moment, even in our own lives, if there's areas where God has been calling you to step out of the boat, Maybe you've been crying, God, to get back in the boat, but he wants you to meet him on the waters. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show each heart where you are in their storm. And God, that you would give them the courage to step out and meet you in that storm. Maybe even there's a relationship that's damaged. I just sense this. I want to throw it out there. Maybe there's relationship or relationships that are damaged. And when you look at that situation, it's stormy. And God is asking you to be the first one to step out to try to bridge reconciliation. And you're like, that's too big a storm for me. But Jesus is in that storm. And he's going to give you the courage and the confidence to build that bridge today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for your people. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, God, that... You will meet them in their storm. Give them the discernment to know when the enemy's attacking and just to speak to it. And other times when they have to step out. And I pray for that wisdom, God, and direction as you speak to all your children. We all know your voice in Jesus' name. And I want to just add this. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I had the opportunity this week to get out. I got a phone call from an individual saying, my father is dying. He doesn't got a lot of time. Can you come and pray with him? I want to make sure he knows the Lord. And I went out and I ministered to this person, and a miracle happened in a sense because this person was at the last stages of cancer. And, and if you've had anyone in that state, they're, not, they're on so many drugs, they're just not there. Just hardly breathing, passed out, and I sat down and I said, Lord, you called me here and I began to share the gospel with this person. And as soon as I said, started reading John 3, 16, this person, boom, was awake. said, yes, yes. I, I said, do you want to know the Lord as your Savior? Do you want to get to eternity and spend time with God? Do you want to go, you know, pass from death to life? And he's like, yes, yes, I do. I do, I do. And I led him in a sinner's prayer and he repeated, clear as I'm talking to you, repeated after me, the sinner's prayer. And as soon as we were done, he smiled and back out. How I many you know God is, God, is, God is doing new things? And I believe there's a season now where the, there's going to be a lot of living room ministry, I'm going to call it, where we're going into people's living rooms. And when they're overcome with fear and anxiety of what could happen to them in the years to come, we're going to come in faith and confidence and say, listen, you do not have to fear. Trust only in the Lord. And we'll lead them to a life-giving faith. Amen. So if you don't know the Lord today, I'm going to give you this challenge. I want you to go home today and say, Father, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come and live in my heart. Change my life. Just say those three things and mean it from your heart, and God will save you. Amen? When We put our heart. In fact, let's do that right now. If you're in this place and you want to say that, we say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I know he died for my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me come and live in my heart be the lord of my life in jesus name amen amen so did you get something out of, out of the word today isn't god good praise the lord well have an amazing week guys and uh see you next week god bless thank you for listening we hope that you enjoyed our message if you are in the quinty west area we would love to have you visit us on sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at at atthecrossroads.ca.